the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. Delighted to bring back Brandon Weikert. Our dear friend Brandon Weikert is the author of several books. Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. He'll have a um, new book coming out in October, How the West Lost Ukraine, uh, A Disaster of Our Own Making, How the West Lost Ukraine. Brandon, thanks for giving us a reprieve on Washington's birthday last week, and thanks for being back with us today. Well, thank you for having me back again. And uh, uh, I think we all needed a little reminder that uh, President's Day is about uh, our founding father, the great one, uh, George Washington. And uh, I'm glad that we could remember that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we can get into that if you want a little bit. uh, But I also got to thank you for your posting of uh, or someone's posting of your comments <clears throat> at CPAC where you were speaking it was uh, CPAC itself that posted oh, that, it. that, that, that well that's an added honor and I was glad they did because they were really poignant I mean they it was how how long was the clip I mean it was a panel you were on Two minutes. The, uh, what, was yeah, it? yeah it, you were great I saw the applause you. um and you ta- you, you teased uh, a response from Frank Gaffney, another friend who was on the panel. I'd be curious to know what his response was. But before you even get to that, why don't you tell the audience what you said? I was going to play the audio, Brandon, but there's this story a Kierkegaard tells of a woman <laughs> strolling her baby down the street and someone says, my, what a cute baby. And the mom says, if you think the baby's cute, you ought to see the picture. And I was thinking, you know, I could play the audio, but I got you. So why don't you tell us what you well, said? Let me, let me just preface by saying um, I got on the stage and I forgot everything that I had planned to say. Exactly. That's the um, best way to do it. And uh, I actually, there was a moment there right before they switched over to me that all I kept thinking of was the Dwight Schrute yeah. um, uh, <laughs> speech from The yeah. Office, yes. let alone moves in the wheels of, wheels yeah. of history. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was glad that I was glad yeah. that I could. Rem- I finally remembered what I was going to say. Okay. Um, so I, what I'm going to tell your audience is basically the abbreviated version. I spoke for four minutes. The clip is two minutes, and then there was a little bit of a Q and A as well. Um, but basically, we were talking about the threat of the various threats, the whole CPAC this year was about where globalism goes to die. And it was all about defending sovereignty, whether it be in the illegal immigration domain or against these transnational organizations. In this case, in regards to the panel I did with Gaffney and Bill, uh, I was talking about the World Health Organization's uh, threat who, who to our Who was the bill? I'm sorry, I didn't pick up who the bill was. I'm the sorry, other. Bill Walton. Bill oh, Walton. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go he's ahead. The moderator. Yeah, not, yeah, not the basketball the player. Leagues. Okay. No, 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 not the bad. But he always makes that <laughs> I'm joke. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but uh, he's one of the big wigs behind the scenes at yeah. CPAC. Yep. He's a longtime friend yep. of mine. Yep. Um, so he moderated, and basically my comments were directed specifically at the World Health Organization and how – it was co-opted many decades ago by the globalist left 
and it was weaponized into a, a tool for the globalist left to use to diminish and weaken American sovereignty, right. to go after not only to degrade our, our private property rights, uh, as all of these transnational organizations do, but in the specific case of the WHO, to degrade our ability to control our own individual health and to do it on behalf of a pernicious ideology, that being communism, Marxism, whatever you want to call it, globalism, but it's, it's the villain with the thousand faces in this case. It's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's totalitarianism. Mm-hmm. And so when I concluded my remarks by saying, because originally <coughs> Trump was supposed to speak right after me, but then he changed it up on us a little bit. He came out a little bit later. Um, but basically, the, the concluding remark was how, in my opinion, if Trump is to be reelected again, and if it's a free and fair election, I believe he will be reelected. He needs to be one of the first things he needs to do is to remove us from the World Health Organization, but not stop there. Pull us out of every single globalist institution, notably the United Nations. And those things were the things that got the most. Applause yeah, yeah, day. yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was uh, what was Gaffney's response, by the way? So I teed up Gaffney. Yeah, I he heard was the closer. Yeah. 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 He was the closer. And so what he basically wanted to do was sort of expand on my remarks. But I also talked a little bit in the part that wasn't shown. I talked a little bit about China's role in taking over the, uh, the WHO. So he sort of built off of that. And then he specifically identified Tedros the head of the WHO, as being a Chinese plant. Oh, okay. And then he really just kind of really just did a great job of fleshing out what I sort of teased okay. in my section. And then he, he concluded with a similar statement yeah, that you know, we needed to preserve our sovereignty by getting rid of these institutions that have been corrupted. I want to circle back to the UN part in just a moment, but for purposes Absolutely. of ongoing edification, um, globalist is a is a term that's become uh, very popular in the last probably five years, more than in the previous years of the English language all put together, um, arguably. Globalist, as you would define it, or globalism. Well, globalism is basically the, the, the move toward a stateless, open border world. It is the vision that was art- with a with an with a global governing authority or or a set of like-minded transnational organizations running everything, as opposed to individual nation states. A sort of microcosm of this is what you see in the European Union. Uh, you know, it's this big bloated bureaucracy mm-hmm. that hands down bureaucratic mandates and uh, economic diktats mm-hmm. from Brussels. And uh, basically, it starts out as a voluntary movement. We think, well, for the sake of convenience and for the sake of cheap security, we can get a bunch of countries on board with a similar mission. And we can cede some degree of sovereignty that frees up bandwidth for the nation's government to focus on other more important things. But what we find, as with the EU and now the UN and the WHO and all these other groups, is they slowly and incrementally take more and more sovereignty away from the individual states until there is no sovereignty left to those states. And it's all one big, you know, supranational or international body dictating everything from Mount High to a planet of 7 billion people, which is never going to work. Brandon, where would you schedule communism? It's, yeah, go it's ahead. crypto communism. Oh, fair enough. Market. Yes, I, I think yeah. that's a perfectly good working definition. Where would you schedule NATO in all that? So um, <laughs> it's funny you ask this. Yeah. So, uh, as you know, I've always, <laughs> I, as you know, I, I've had a very mixed opinion yeah. on NATO. Yeah. 
Um, I believe fundamentally that it was an essential tool for winning the Cold War, and I think that it was an honorable organization of equal partners. Obviously, the United States was the largest member, and so we had an outsized role to play in the Cold War. But after the Cold War, I have gone back and forth with how extreme we should have been. But basically, we should have, after the Cold War, striven to work the Russians into the NATO framework uh, and and elevate European states as the primary mover of that ally- of that defensive alliance, rather than keeping it an American-centric one that basically looked to Moscow like it was trying to break the remnants of the, the Russian state apart after the Soviet Union fell. Um, in my opinion, NATO is today the problem, not the solution. I think a better solution would be to look at the sub-regional level. If you're really worried about Russian aggression, you're not going to find consensus in France and Germany on that. You're going to find it in the Visegrad states. You're going to find it in Central Europe. You're going to find it in the Baltics. So what we should be doing is saying NATO is no longer the priority. Empowering those Eastern European countries are so that they can do the heavy lifting and figure out what they want to do to counter Russia. The Nordic states as well. In Southern Europe, they're threatened more by illegal immigration coming up from uh, from the, the North African and, and Middle Eastern countries. So they should be prioritizing handling the, the, the illegal immigration problem coming up from the Mediterranean. Uh, in Western Europe and in Northern Europe, uh, you know, they tend to be more threatened by domestic terrorism, specifically from Islamists who have gotten into Europe. So they should be fixated probably on counterterrorism and less on being made to force or being, being forced to basically act like Russia is their number one threat, which it is not anymore. And so that's sort of why NATO, in my opinion, is too big for its own good. It's too American-centric for its own good. And it's ultimately not going to have the kind of punch that it once had in the Cold War because there's no longer a, a consensus among its members on what the, even the main threat is anymore. Well, there you go. And, uh, you know, I think that um, I think that's a really good place to go back to the big kahuna which is the UN which you did mention in your uh, in your list of uh, globalist organizations that have served sort of like the yeah, yeah the, the big kahuna right you're right that's yeah 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 right. it's it's the big it's the, it's the biggie and i mean i would just say illustratively on this point then i got to take a break maybe we can come back sure. on this a little bit i would just say illustratively on this point if anyone goes to read the original and it's still, I guess, well, it's still there. I wouldn't say it's operative. But if anyone goes to read the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which, you know, is what began the whole thing, the United Nation, it very much looks like the U.S. Declaration of Independence in modernized language. It very much looks like that. It's become completely antithetical to that by the misuse yes. and the Orwellian turn speak of language. Yes. And, 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 and it, I think... Not only does it challenge our sovereignty generally, I think it diminishes our own moral sense of who we should be. And I'd love your thoughts on that when we come back. Absolutely. Thank you. Brandon Weikert is my guest. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest. Follow him on Twitter, by the way, Twix, sorry, Twix, at WeTheBrandon, We, W-E, The Brandon. Um... Brandon, the United Nations, I – years ago, now that you mentioned Frank Gaffney, there was – years ago there was an effort I was a little bit involved in with an international lawyer. I don't know whatever happened to her. went named Ann Bayefsky and Frank Gaffney and a few others 
to have a replacement organization for the UN. I don't remember what we were calling it. It wasn't League of Democracies, but something like that as, 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 as you know, a new organization that might, you know, go back to what the original notion of the UN right. is that's become so perverse. But regardless of all that, the, the reading of the Human Rights Declaration of the United Nations or watching the way they operate or use and twist language, especially language like racism, imperialism, colonialism, that kind of stuff, very Orwellian. And I believe... Honest in my bones, Brandon, that it's a debasement of the United States to continue not only to host this organization, but to play along with it and give it any credence whatsoever. It is, to me, little, as George Will once said, little more than a gargle of third world authoritarianism. I, I agree completely. I would say, and then the, and my point with the whole statement at CPEC is that it's not just the UN, it's that whole ocean of alphabet soup internationalist organizations, including the proposed World Environmental Organization, all of these globalist institutions must be evicted from the United States and they must be defunded completely by the United States. If the Chinese want these organizations, they can have them because they already do own them, except the, the difference now is that we go along and give it credence just so the U.N. and all these other groups like the WHO can carry water for the Communist Party of China. And it needs to stop. And it will only stop if the president, the next president, pulls us out and defunds all of these groups. Because these organizations are exactly what you're saying. They are meant to destroy and weaken the sovereignty of the United States. Because there is no greater threat. There are the two greatest threats to the globalists and their agenda of one world government or one world influence, however you want to describe it, there's only two groups that threaten them, and that is the United States, number one, and number two is Israel. Those are the two groups, and those are the two countries that the globalists of the world hate beyond reason. The um, This has been with us for some time. I pro proposed on a conversation with some folks a few weeks back, not a month, but a few weeks ago, I think it was. You know, I said... Um, does anyone ever talk about getting the U.S. out of the U.N. anymore? And one of the— Not since Irving Crystal. Well, I, I guess so, because one of the people on the call said that, you know, that used to be considered a kind of right-wing thing, even perhaps on the extreme right, and the talk and discussion of it just kind of fell out of favor. And it had me scratching my head a little bit. Because of what you just said, no one thinks of Irving Kristol as the extreme right. And it took me back to the um, to the original founding document of National Review magazine, uh, Buckley's uh, uh, original magazine. And he listed about 10 items that we believe in as conservatives or as National Review, what we were uh, believing in. And he called them the credenda. You want the last one? You'll love it. This is 1955. This is Bill Buckley. No superstition has more effectively bewitched America's liberal elite than the fashionable, concept, fashionable concepts of world government, the United Nations, internationalism, international atomic pools, etc. Perhaps the most important and readily demonstrable lesson of history is that freedom goes hand in hand with a state of political decentralization. The remote government is irresponsible government. It would make greater sense to grant independence to each of our 50 states than surrender U.S. sovereignty to a world organization. That's the beginning of the modern conservative movement, Brandon. That's not extreme. Yes, and we've gotten away from that. Yeah. yeah. We've, the, the, the Uniparty in D.C. 
thinks this is an extreme position. But the people who were in the audience at CPAC, yeah, some of them were right-wing activists, but there were a lot of people that I spoke to in the audience who were basically middle to older age who had never been politically active before the year 2016. And in many cases, many of them were former Democrats. Mm-hmm. And they, they you, you heard that clip. I had three standing ovations. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so these were these were not your typical. I will say CPAC this year was very different. And I used to go there when I was in college. It was very different in terms of the audience. Uh, it, it was a large audience, despite what the media was saying. It was very large. In fact, I think it was the largest probably in the last decade. Um, but it was very different. It was a very international organi- uh, audience, and it was um, there was young people for sure, but not like it used to. It used to be a college-driven thing. But this was very much concerned middle-aged and you know maybe older millennials like myself. Uh, kind of leading the charge with college students sort of participating, but not to the level they used to. And that told me is that the responsible people who may not have been responsible a decade ago in our electorate are now waking up and realizing that this election is it. And they are coming down on the side of what people today in the elite say is far right ideas. But these people are far from the far right. They're actually quite moderate when you talk to them. Yeah, no, of course. And I mean, despite the media's efforts, there was an awful thing said about CPAC by NBC, I think it was. And uh, and it's just it's just untrue in the extreme. I think they made reference to a Nazi situation, a, a, a Nazi ethos there. Nothing new to the right. I mean, Barry Goldwater's convention and major newspaper columnists said used the Third Reich, used uh, Mein Kampf as its Bible. So, I mean, nothing new. I guess just more spread and voluble because of the uh, right. social media and cable well, oh, it's all that they've got. Because, yeah, and it's you know, all they've got. Yeah. For all of the talk, and again, I don't know for sure, but for all the talk about how this the elections are now rigged, and I think there's certainly a lot of shenanigans. I mean, you live in Arizona, you know. There's a lot of shenanigans going around. Um, I think that if they really did, the left, have this thing rigged, sure, for sure, um, why would they be so scared? Why would yeah, they that's a great lying? point. Why are they going to the 11 on the Why on the are rhetoric? they freaking yeah, out? They, yeah. You think they'd be cool as a cucumber yeah, because they've yeah. got this thing in the bag. What does it matter? So but why are they scared. playing the race card and, at the bottom of the deck? Right, yes, right, and calling us Nazis right. at CPAC. I was there. There was not a single Nazi Oh, my there. gosh. Mark Levin did a big thing with a Israeli and the whole me. situation. Mark, yeah. Mark, Mark Levin was right behind me, and, I'm, and he had his whole beautiful family. You know, the, the, he's, he's a man of Jewish descent, yeah. and he had his whole beautiful family with him, and they were having a wonderful time. And he hosted and the wearing, father of a hostage from Gaza. That's right, yes, that's I mean, right. the and, they, and they were all wearing their, I don't think Levin was, but they were the men were wearing yarmulkes. Yeah. Nobody gave them any guff. No. They were welcome. No, they course, were welcome. Of course, it's such a lie. And, you know, they get away with it probably because not only do they think it works, but I think they have never spent any time with us. There's some interesting endearing essays uh, from liberals who have taken the time. There was a famous one. I think it was in New Hampshire of a guy that went to a Trump rally and just how much love he said he felt and how different it was from everything he read about. And I'm going to have to pull that out again at some point. But it's, you know, it's it's the it's the arrogance of ignorance born from true ignorance. Let me take another commercial break, Brandon. Let's go to a few other spots in the world, if that's cool with you. Andrew, excuse me, Andrew. Why, Andrew? Where did that name come from? Brandon Weikert is my guest. He and I will be right back. 
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Brandon Weikert is our guest, trusted source on so many things, author of, among other books, Iran's, um, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, new book coming out on Russia and Ukraine in October. Uh, Brandon, um, I wanted to talk to you about a few other hot spots, if I could. By the way, the name of the guy I couldn't think of, my producer, young David, remembered, was Dean Phillips, the Democrat running for president, the congressman Democrat running for president. Yeah. He w- he went to a Trump rally in New Hampshire and wrote it up yeah. for anyone who wants to. I actually to. remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. That's what happens when they go to our events. You know, I <laughs> you can find whatever you want at CPAC, but what you won't find is Nazism. Um, well, you won't. In fact, there was real quick, um, yeah. and I, I would say I was a little turned off by this, but there was a transvestite, uh, notable transvestite uh, uh, influencer who was given central stage, you know, given center seating and treated like a king or a queen or whatever you want to call them. Um, <laughs> and so, and so uh, I was a little jarred. Oh, by careful, that. careful. I was a little jarred, but the point is, is that it was the farthest thing from a Nazi convention. I yeah, saw, yeah. I, as I, I say, you can find almost right wing yeah. extremists yeah. literally embracing this individual. Yeah. <laughs> then you also had you had next to, or two two down from the where I was sitting, where in the in the chairman's box, you had uh, Rich Grinnell, mm-hmm. who of course was the openly gay uh, pro-Trump. Uh, foreign policy expert yeah. uh, who was treated like a king himself by actually everybody. the first gay cabinet openly gay cabinet exactly. member it wasn't and pete so Buttigieg. Like it was actually donald trump's guy right and then you yeah. had cash patel yeah. indian american i mean yeah. it's it was literally like baskin 31 flavors i at know, the, uh, I know. <laughs> as i said you can find almost anything you want there you won't find nazis that's right um All right, let me move to this story that a friend of mine sent that he thinks is an underreported story. It's coming from the Jerusalem Post. Houthis knock out underwater cables linking Europe to Asia. I'll just give you a little bit. Four underwater communication cables between Saudi Arabia and Djibouti have been struck out of commission in recent months, presumably as a result of attacks by Yemen's Iranian-backed Houthi rebels, according to an exclusive report. The yeah. successful targets of the four cables are long to believe to CECOM, EIG, TEGN system, yeah. on and on it goes. Uh, the harm will be absorbed by Gulf states and India. And my friend's point was, do we realize how serious these kinds of attacks can be to our critical communications infrastructure? He thinks it's a dire, dire Well, I, I can go one further. So there is, your audience may not know this, but there is right now, Right this minute, and it's been going on for about a, at least a week, a coordinated massive cyber attack going on against major infrastructure nodes in the United States. It's not being admitted to by the government. Uh, the few things I've seen in the press about it, it makes it sound like it's isolated incidents. It is not. Um, we here in southwest Florida have the second largest medical system in the state, second largest employer in the state. And on Friday, uh, the entire network was taken down. People who had insurance through our network could not get medicine. I was one of them. Um, And as you know, I have a very serious illness. And so it was quite a problem as I was getting ready to travel. 
I could not get my medicine because they could not access my insurance because it had been cyber attacked. The networks wow. had been shut down. Wow. This is not being widely reported. In Texas, a similar thing happened, I think, to MD Anderson. Don't hold me to that. It was one of the major, yeah. one of the major medical systems there was attacked. There have been similar attacks against other critical. I mean, the cell phones have yep. been knocked out yep. over the United States in yep. the last week. Yep. This is not isolated incidents. This is a coordinated probing attack. Um, and so here's what happens. I think that China is behind all of this, whether it's Houthis doing it on behalf of Iran. Iran is doing it on behalf of China. Okay. Um, there are all these degrees of connections going back to Beijing. I think what's happening is they are probing to see how we will respond to these various kinds of infrastructure attacks. And then I think they're going to do one big, big hit in the next nine months. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to do the coordinated massive cyber attack that's going to knock things out here at home. I think they're going to do at the same time a massive space Pearl Harbor, as I warned in winning space, how America remains a superpower, to knock out our satellite architecture in orbit. And then they're going to, they're going to clip all of those critical undersea cables. Why? Because everybody I talk to about winning space in the military, the people who hate me, yeah. uh, they, they would always shoot back, well, Weicker, you don't even understand. We lose the satellites. We have undersea fiber optics. We've got undersea cables. And I said, yes, but the problem is bandwidth. The reason we need those satellites with the undersea cables is because the satellites gives our communications this bandwidth so, that they need so to operate. Hold the thought. I, I want you to stay, say a little bit more on that when we come. It's so interesting to me, and I know people in the audience are very concerned about this as well, especially now that you've lit it up. Brandon Weikert is my guest. Follow him on Twix. We, the Brandon, will be right back. Oh, young David, before I forget, let Russ know. I, it's okay. Just let Russ know you were. I think that's valuable. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Sorry to make sausage on air. You know, that comes from Otto von Bismarck, by the way. I don't know if you knew that, Brandon Weikert. Of course, you probably did because you like sausage. I didn't know and that, kn- actually, but given his Germanic yeah. origins, yeah. it makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I taught Brandon Weikert something about Otto von Bismarck <laughs> and sausage. And what? how not to run a radio show. Okay, welcome back, Brandon. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, bah, 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 bah. Communications, um, uh, medicines, all subject to these kinds of hits that it looks like the Houthis are responsible for in acting as surrogates for Iran, acting as a surrogate for China, if you follow the chain upwards. Um, what, are they testing us a little bit? Testing yeah. systems? Kind of yeah. like, yeah. It's a dry run mm-hmm. for a an actual coordinated attack. Uh, I was I, when I got back from CPAC. It was my daughter's birthday yesterday, so we had this big event for her. And one of the fathers of her friend happened to be there, and uh, he his he has a family member who is very high up with the intelligence community. And we were sort of talking about this very issue. And the first thing he said is he said, Hey, my brother says to get, get pile up the amoxicillin. Mm. He said, get it, get it going. Because he said that the indicators and warnings they're getting right now is insane. They've never seen. And then my friends at cyber command, I have some friends there still uh, have said similar things that, that this is not normal. This is not the normal level of provocation and probing. No this is some kind of massive event no that's coming. No kidding. So I hope I'm wrong. You know, I tell this to everybody. I was out with Michelle McCory last week of Kitco, and she was telling she had me back on because the Russian space weapon story was in the news, and yeah. she said that I was the only one who warned them a year ago about this. 
And I told her, I said, I keep hoping I'm wrong. I'm the only analyst or pundit that's happy to be proven wrong. So, you know, I hope this doesn't happen. But your audience should be aware that there's stuff going on behind the scenes that the Biden administration is either incompetent about handling or can't talk about because they're afraid. How much are we doing to them? Well, that's the thing. So, you know, particularly in cyber domain, we have the ability to basically, I would argue, probably shut down most of Russia, for example, or shut down large portions of China, certainly take down large parts of uh, Iran uh, and Venezuela. North Korea is a different story because they're not as connected. But but um, the, the fact of the matter is our people, our, our cyber warriors are not trained to go on the offensive that way unless it is an actual moment of war. But as I argue, and as the great Sean McFate wrote about many years ago in his book, um, and I'm forgetting the name now, uh, but, but, you know, we, our enemies know that Americans have this weird view of war. It's like pregnancy. You either are pregnant or you're not. Yeah. There's no middle ground. Yeah. But our enemies have figured out if they can find a, the middle ground with the Israelis called the gray zone, they can really screw around with us and weaken us before they try to go in for an actual knockout blow. Mm-hmm. And that's everything that's happening here. And one other thing, and I'll, I'll remind your audience of this, in my book Biohacked, I talked about how two Marine Corps colonels in, in the intelligence community came to me, and they were throwing around terms like biological 9-11 to describe COVID-19. And, and, and I talk about in the book uh, how it was basically COVID-19 was a bioweapon, and it was a proof of concept. This was not the most lethal disease we've ever encountered, and it wasn't designed to be. But the Chinese are trying to probe us and figure out if they did launch an even more lethal disease, like, say, weaponized smallpox, which Wuhan is also playing with, by the way, how would we respond? And we did not respond very well to the COVID. Now imagine an even more virulent illness with a much higher infection rate and death rate. And that's, that's what we're dealing with right now. Our enemies are probing constantly and doing proofs of concept, and we are failing every test. And so they're going to get us, I think, before we can even figure out that we need to punch back. Okay. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. Um, what makes you guys need a swig of scotch? I understand. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, this, yeah, it's and it's also, by the way, it's also, I don't mean to get too conspiratorial here, but it's also, we have a lot of bad actors in our own government. Well, that's kind of where I was going. I mean, how, yeah. how solid are we? Um, I, what was the number? Joe McCarthy said he had a list of 57 names or something like that, which I don't think yeah. turned out to be true, but whatever the case may be, there's got to be a at a minimum 57 people in the State Department, the Defense Department, and our other intel agencies that are actively opposed to the U.S.'s interests. There's got to be. Well, I would say the entire Biden administration, as we know for a fact, Biden was hiring. (laughs) We know that Biden was hiring active Iranian intelligence assets and bringing them on in key roles of the National Security Council. Yeah, yeah. We know that his family, whether <laughs> they want to try to say the Smirnoff guy, yeah, yeah. They, they, that he, you know, oh, well, that means it disproves the whole thing. The whole thing about Hunter Biden is there's multiple sources, multiple forms of evidence showing how he was likely a representative of his father and his family to go abroad and do influence right, peddling and right. to basically willingly compromise his political father for money and his father was probably involved or at least aware of it and that is the key thing here so it's not just you know bureaucrats who've been flipped by our enemies it's biden himself who's influenced by our enemies 
And oh, by the way, and, I, and again, I don't want to get too conspiratorial here, but we know for a fact NSA and CIA have a suite of tools that they developed in the cyber domain that can make it look like they are, that they are going to conduct an attack on, on our own infrastructure, but they have a tool that allows for them to basically make it look like it was the Russians, the Chinese, okay. the Iranians, or somebody else. Uh-huh. And so we have to also be aware that there are very bad political actors within our bureaucracy who are trying to stop President Trump and the Republicans, the MAGA movement, from gaining power again, because we are the greatest threat to them and their corruption. And this gets back, by the way, to what we talked about at the top of the hour, which is this globalist yep. movement. Trump is the only man standing between us and this globalist communist agenda. Brandon Weikert, standing ovation again. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Thank you. You betcha. You can follow Brandon on Twitter X. We call it Twix. He is at WeTheBrandon. He's always posting interesting stuff. Uh, Or you can get any number of his books, All Smart, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. If you read all three of those already, he has a new book coming out in October. Brandon, bless you. Godspeed. Talk to you Thank soon. You, sir. you betcha. I'm Seth Leibson. I'll be back with a concluding thought. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Little Ronnie Millsap there for you. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y Refi. They have an opportunity to invest in a secure and collateralized portfolio that really invests flexibility and control. With you and you, you can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. There is no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, there are no fees. You, of course, get monthly statement with no surprises with Y-Refi. The best part is that you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24, 888-Y-REFI-24. Tell them Seth sent you. I guess in an interesting way to circle back to my monologue in the first hour, I'll close on that thought. Brandon and I were exploring in our first or second segment previously in this hour, which is, you know, a lot of the things that are said by conservatives or Republicans these days that the media wants to portray as extreme or that self-described or self-declared moderates want to declare as uncomfortable or extreme uh, or departures from, you know, their conservatism or their Republican Party. I think they need reminders of what were engraved on the tablets of the modern conservative movement when it was born. I think they need to go back and read the credenda of National Review from 1955 and what William Buckley wrote. I don't think there's a thing in there that is different from the America First or MAGA agenda. The only difference perhaps being that you might replace Soviet communism in his credenda with either Chinese communism or radical Islam now, and you'd have the same exact policy that you had with the beginning of National Review. Or as Brandon said, Irving Kristol. You haven't heard a conservative talking about getting the U.S. out of the U.N. since Irving Kristol. Irving Kristol was, uh, for goodness sakes, deemed the godfather of neoconservatism. By the way, his godfathering of neoconservatism had nothing to do with foreign policy, really, and that's a whole other issue. Neoconservatism as birthed by 
Irving Kristol, not his son Bill, but the dad Irving, was really mostly about domestic policy. But when you think about the United Nations and organizations such as those, in the context of our domestic policy, I do think it's true what I said to Brandon, he agreed, that we debase ourselves by yielding ourselves to their Orwellian turn and doublespeak. We debase ourselves. Don't go debasing my heart. No, that's not the song. <laughs> but don't the point the point being is a serious one that I'm trying to make. When people make these arguments, whether it's Donald Trump or what, and people want to say, what a departure, is it? Ask yourself, is it? Do you know enough about the history of our movement? Or is it actually a return to what founded us in the first place? Until tomorrow, Mr. Dahl, thank you. Mr. Bill, thank you. I'm Seth Leibson. God bless and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.